This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. My name is Declan. I'm from Durban, South Africa. I am 18 years old and this is my first World Youth Day experience and it has been a fantastic one and I'm really enjoying it meeting people from around the whole entire world seeing how huge the Catholic Church is in terms of the youth I'm Jacinta Dames I have 16 years old and I'm we're from Chile we're all from yeah. Chile oh you're all from Chile good yes. okay uh, what stays with you from Pope Francis' message? Um, I'd say that Christ calls us like by our names. And like we're all, he loves us. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. I'm Colleen Deli. This past week, my colleagues Gerard O'Connell and Ricardo da Silva were in Portugal covering World Youth Day. We brought you a quick conversation with them around the beginning of the event, and after a whirlwind week with tons of events gathering up to 1.5 million people and 11 talks by Pope Francis, we wanted to catch our breath together and recap for you what just happened. So, Ricardo, Jerry, good morning. Good afternoon from Rome, Colin. Good morning. <laughs> Ricardo, I guess it's... I should really say good afternoon yes. because it's uh, afternoon here. <laughs> morning for me in New Orleans. I assume similarly hot everywhere in Rome, Portugal, and here. Ooh. Yes. Over 100 Fahrenheit here today. It's It feels like that here. Rome is a bit cooler, I must admit. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> All right, y'all. So let's start out just the two of you taking turns about what one thing stood out to you most about this experience of covering World Youth Day? Ricardo, you want to go first since it was uh, your first time? Sure. Um, I, I think the thing that stood out most strongly for me was the lengths to which World Youth Day, um, the organizing committee, went to ensure that there was maximum representation right, and diversity. So across... Um, across ages, but especially countries. So we had people here from almost every single country in the world. The organizers were at pains to bring two members from each country uh, to World Youth Day. And they organized sponsorship for them. They made sure that they got visas, but th they really worked hard to ensure that youth from all over the world actually were represented here. Mm -hmm. I think as we were talking about this just between the two of us, you also mentioned that people with disabilities were well represented, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, that was part of everything that marked this World Youth Day for me. But um, one of the things is very moving. We saw people uh, on wheelchairs, people with physical disabilities, um, and also people from countries uh, that ordinarily would not have been able to be here. So many of the African countries where the expense would have been great um, and they may not have traveled these long distances. So people that came from places that would have been marginalized uh, were put in front 
especially people with disabilities, were put in front ahead of all the um, bishops sitting right in front uh, of the stage at all the events. Uh, that was a criticism on the whole in, in that bishops and priests were sort of in droves and a sea of bishops and priests right at the front. Uh, and so the, the image was that the bishops and priests came first. But if for those who actually saw it and who were there, you would have seen that there were people with disabilities even ahead of them. Um, and that was a deliberate decision on the part of this organizing committee uh, to bring people with disabilities forward. Jerry, you've covered a number of World Youth Days. Maybe you know the exact number. Um, but what was this experience like for you this time around? Well, I was struck by the location, first of all. It was beautiful, really breathtaking. Secondly, the energy and the joy that exuded from the one and a half million young people. And then the way they moved from really no noisy, loud singing, clapping, etc., to total silence. Mm -hmm. This transition to total silence was quite impressive. And uh, I think I've attended many World Youth Days now, all the Francis ones, but also some with John Paul II and Benedict. Uh, I've always been struck by the fact that you know, people say there's little faith among young people, etc. And yet here you see so many people searching, deeply committed, and really happy to belong to a church which has so many people from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. I, I've always been interested in China, as you know, and there were lots from China. Really? I tried to get the figure from, uh, there was Bishop, Chow was there from now Cardinal-elect from Hong Kong. He came, he told me, with 300. Wow. Just from Hong Kong. Then there were some from Macau and Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And then I understand that there were young people from most of the provinces of China. Wow. No bishop, but young people. And, of course, I took a photo of one with a flag. But that man, he was with a group. When I said I wanted a photo, they all disappeared. They didn't want to be photographed, except the guy with the flag. And it shows you, you know, the situation in which these people live. But it's very important to them. And it's, I think, restoring their faith. So there is one very important participant who we haven't mentioned yet, Pope Francis. I wanted to get a sense from y'all about how he seemed to be doing. He was surrounded by lots of people. We mentioned in our last update that when he was on the plane on the way to Portugal, he was saying that he expected to come back rejuvenated. So how was he looking through this trip? Did it play out? Did he get rejuvenated? Colleen, you know, when Jerry says uh, the Pope was on top form, I, I'm sometimes mm -hmm. a little bit cynical about that. I'm like, really, Jerry? He didn't <laughs> seem that energetic. But in, 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 in Portugal, I actually got to see mm -hmm. that firsthand. And I, I now absolutely know what Jerry says when he says you know, he was in top form. Like, he, he was super energetic. I mean, the only time that I saw his energy flagging, and that would have been all of our energies, because anybody who endured the heat of the Saturday vigil uh, and then had very little sleep before Sunday, that was the only time on Sunday morning um, that I that I saw that he was perhaps a little less energetic, but even then, I mean, he he had a remarkable day on the Sunday, uh, a full program, and he was able to keep up with all, all of it. And not only that, throughout the event, there were at least Jerry, I think this is right. There were at least four things added onto the calendar, you know, to his agenda that were unscheduled, 
and, and that he called for while he was there. Uh, so his energy for me is unquestionable. I mean, I don't have that energy as a 40-year-old man, uh, let alone an 86-year-old man uh, with the amount of work that he had to do over these days. Yes, the striking thing about it is, uh, as I said in the last podcast, you know, we put in our little mobile phones, we charge them. Mm-hmm. He, as it were, connects with the crowd and recharges his batteries. I, I was struck, you know, even going on the route to the uh, big events, the Way of the Cross, the opening ceremony, the Mass, they, they couldn't find enough babies and kids to give him he wanted to kiss <laughs> it was extraordinary the number of kids he kissed mm-hmm. and the people that made it through the security detail right to 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 get to him and sort of spent a minute and he was having like this little pep talk and it's like okay pope francis we got to get moving <laughs> you know there's a schedule to be kept but he he just stops it and and he makes sure that he pays attention somebody said to me it's as if he is looking at everybody as he drives by and you know and they're driving at a fair pace because they have to get through a number of people um but he he truly is intentional about the attention that he pays uh to the crowd yes and he's very quick at spotting kind of people in difficulty or something Mm -hmm. and he, he wants to stop and give a word to them and i think he wanted to show hey i'm listening to you i know that young people are depressed have anxiety uh, are afraid, right? That was one of the biggest things that came out of this global consultation that Joe and I spoke about on that first update we sent. This global consultation that they did with the, through the Dicastery for Laity and Family Life into the concerns of young people, the key vulnerability that was apparently highlighted in that was how young people are afraid, afraid of their future, afraid of what is to happen with this world um, in terms of climate change, uh, just general anxiety issues post-pandemic. And, of course, what was the last message that he leaves us with? Do not be afraid. All right, y'all. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Pope Francis's key message. In addition to do not be afraid, which was his closing message, we heard over and over again that the church is for everyone, everyone, everyone. Todos, todos, todos. So when we return, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about his trip to Fatima. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Cada uno en su lengua, repita conmigo, todos, todos, todos. No se oye, otra vez, todos, todos, todos. Y esa es la iglesia, la madre de todos, hay lugar para todos. El Señor no señala con el dedo. So at this World Youth Day, Pope Francis used his speeches to emphasize over and over again that the church is for everyone. And he was asked a little more about this on the plane back to Rome by a reporter from the German Catholic News Agency. 
And this reporter asked him specifically, you know, what does it mean to say that the church is for everyone when she said not everyone can receive all the sacraments? That is, gay couples can't get married, women can't be ordained. Um, so I wanted to unpack this a bit. What did the Pope have to say about that? What is this message about inclusion and todos, todos, todos? What does it mean in practice? Uh, I think that's a very good question. I, I think, you know, Pope Francis, uh, I was actually listening to a Portuguese commentator today, but Pope Francis said at the end, do not be afraid of the questions and always ask a good question. And he even congratulated that particular reporter for the question that she asked, saying that's her job as a, as a journalist. Um, and I think that's the question that the Portuguese church is left with post-World Youth Day. We've seen it in almost every single news report that I've seen is that question, like, what does that mean? Um, Pope Francis on the way back, Jerry, I'm, I'm sure you can elucidate this, but he, from what I understand, he basically said, the, the entry point to the church is for everybody. You know, the church is for everyone without ex exclusion. Everybody is welcome here in the church. How people um, exercise their ministry in the church, their calling in the church, their particular vocation in the church is going to be very different for everyone. And, and that's always that uncomfortable question for us, right? It's like, it's for everyone, but some things are for, for some more than others. And, and that's always going to be a tension. And I think especially in the church here in Portugal, they're going to be left wrestling with that now because it's a church that is steeped in tradition. It's a deeply Catholic country still, even if it's moving more and more and more quickly towards secularization. Rather, it's a church that's wrestling with the LGBT issue, uh, with inclusion of women. So like like everywhere else but i think here in a in a much stronger way especially on the lgbt question i notice there's still a lot of unease talking about uh lgbt people in the church um and so i think and i've been thinking a lot about this i think one of the things pope francis does incredibly well is when he is in a place but perhaps also the consultations that he does in the lead up to apostolic visitations he is asking himself what do I need to really leave this church, local local church, wrestling with? And I think here he thought, I need to leave it wrestling with this question of who is included here. I mean, in the church, that's also wrestling with scandals of sexual abuse um, here. So, yes, but I, I first of all, I, I I think back that. He used this todos, todos, todos. First of all, with the bishops, when he spoke with the bishops and the clergy and the seminarians, the pastoral workers, and he, he used that. He said, you know, the church is for everyone. No one should be excluded. No one. This was one of his first talks when he landed. This was the on the first day. Then he, he repeated this when he met the young people, and he got them to repeat todos, 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 this place. That was the welcoming ceremony on the Thursday. On, on the Thursday. So, in other words, you know, there's a place for everybody at the table. This is what he was saying. And he was saying, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the the people who are with problems, those who are not. And he, he spelled out various categories. And he, he is... He says that the church mustn't be like a customs service, you know, which allows some things through and others not. He said the church is a mother, and the mother opens their arms and takes in all the children. That, that, that's his fundamental message. Now he says the church itself has, and this is what he said on the plane, he said also has an internal laws, legislation. And he said which 
dictates certain things that some people can do this and some people not. Uh, I, I agree with Ricardo. There's still a tension left with it, and it's not surprising. To the the question came from from a German young German woman ju- journalist, because that's the the issue that they have been wrestling very much with in the German synodal path. You know, why can't women? Be priests? Why can't women be deacons? Uh, why can't why can't lay, lay people give, give homilies? So Francis uh, does two things. He doesn't. He's trying to eliminate the type of mentality which says, you know, the church is for the the pure and the sure, and uh, the others they do, they're a different category. They're not really part of the church. He said, not so. And he, he's, so he's saying, you know, they're all children of God, and therefore in God's house, they all have a place. This is his basic message. Then, And then the second thing he said, which I thought was very interesting, in the church, each one finds his own way to God. I think it's a very important message, because he's saying, you, you, you come in, you're, in, you're welcome in the church, and there you can you will have a way that you work your way to God. Mm-hmm. Which I think was really something that stood out throughout the world you stay as we heard the testimonies from people. I'm thinking especially during the way of the cross, people sharing how very different their stories were of that different path to God. And I think there were around 40,000 volunteers for this World Youth Day, which Pope Francis said is, is on the plane, he said, Lisbon um, is, has, is one of the best organized he's had, the best prepared. Um, the volunteers had to write a personal letter to Pope Francis. And we saw these letters being read out at the volunteers' ceremony. One of them by your cousin. <laughs> One of them by a distant cousin. Um, you know, and, and it was a very moving thing because in his case, Francisco, um, he had just finished uh, a degree last year in um, engineering, electronic engineering. And he decided to give up a job with a top consulting firm to work for minimum wage as a volunteer for World Youth Day for a year. And he wrote in his letter, just, you know, he wrote about this experience, but then he also said that he was looking for something and he didn't know what it was. And what it was, was a constant and a consistent relationship with Christ, which he achieved through his work at World Youth Day because they had a regular rhythm of prayer and reflection. And he ended with this very arresting final uh, note where he said, I now know what it is that I'm looking for. And what I'm looking for is sainthood. I want to be a saint. Um, and of course, we've heard this so often in Pope Francis, right, that he's, he calls us to be saints, not in a superhero sense, not because we're seeking out martyrdom, but because we should just live out who we are. And in these testimonies, we kept seeing the catechesis was a good example of this, where the, cate- the, the catechesis has been reformed from what it was in the past, where bishops sort of stood up and proffered a lecture, uh, and then young people clapped and off they went. This time, it was much more synodal, right? Following uh, the synod on synodality, conversations are happening between young people and bishops, time for reflection and prayer on the issue being discussed, and then they hear a few comments from the bishop. Now, it must be said some bishops did not get the memo. <laughs> and, and one of the people organizers said to me, because if some of the bishops left understanding the power of synodal conversation, then we've achieved what we've tried to do with this reform of catechesis in these rise up sessions, as they call them. 
Yeah, I'm, I've been hearing a lot throughout what you've been saying about your experience there. A lot of parallels, a lot of integration of synodality uh, in World Youth Day. It started out with this consultation. It had these conversations throughout, even the involvement of testimonies in something like the Way of the Cross, which is you know a, fair, a fairly set text. They're integrating people's experiences into that. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to move us on to talking about Fatima. Before this trip, we had talked a lot about how this was going to be one of the most anticipated parts of the Pope's visit to Portugal. He was leaving Lisbon, where World Youth Day was, to go to Fatima to pray for peace and to pray for an end to the war in Ukraine. And as we've talked about before, just a reminder for people, uh, Our Lady of Fatima had asked the visionaries at Fatima to pray for the conversion of Russia and for Russia to be consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So there's this century-long tradition connecting Fatima with Russia. So it was going to be a really important place to pray for peace in Ukraine. But when the Pope got there, he didn't read his prepared speech or his prepared prayer. Uh, instead, he delivered a very short reflection on Mary. It didn't mention Ukraine at all. It didn't mention the war. So what do we know about what happened there? Well, I, I was there, Colleen, and um, mm -hmm. I, I wrote that when, when we got there at 7.30 in the morning, there was a kind of a semi-apocalyptic scene. Yeah, describe this for me. The sun was red, there was a white moon, and there was this black cloud over the chapel of the apparitions because there was a forest fire behind, which had started the day before and was still burning. Apparently there are many forest fires. And this was a heat wave season. In fact, the, the World Youth Day was a heat wave World Youth Day. And uh, uh, then uh, there was ash coming down from the cloud. In fact, I came away with a cough. And uh, But now what happened? I have since learned from a senior Vatican official Francis wanted to go to the world, to Fatima, privately. Oh, okay. It's kind of hard to do things privately as a pope. <laughs> yeah, to go privately and pray. Mm -hmm. And they told him, look, this isn't realistic. You're going to get many pilgrims. You're going to get people turning up at Fatima. And you've got the media. You can't go privately. So he reluctantly agreed that the media would go with him. And he went by helicopter, and he must have seen this, for, this forest fire and everything. So he, the whole environmental situation would have been struck. But he put aside his prepared speech. He put aside the prayer, and he just gave a small little catechesis about Mary and Jesus. And Mary pointing to Jesus, and that Mary comes and, and to help us in, in our, whenever she sees those problems. Not a word about peace, not a word about war, not a word about Ukraine in, in, in his little homily. But he said on the plane, I prayed for peace. Yeah, the quote he gave on the plane was, I prayed for peace without publicity. So that aligns with what you were saying, that he didn't want a lot of coverage. Can I push you on this? Why, why do you think this was that he didn't want publicity around this when, you know, he's very aware that he has a, a very visible platform as a voice for peace. Why wouldn't he want to kind of hammer that home in, in this visit to Fatima? Well, I think maybe he was thinking that Fatima has often been used anti-Russia, mm. anti-communism, and he didn't want to fall into that kind of uh, view of reality. He was in silent prayer for a long time. But then on Sunday, he was very articulate about speaking out about peace. He's, he was suffering for the suffering situation in, in Ukraine. And 
asking the young people, when you go home, start working for peace. He, he was very clear. And so what he said on the Sunday at the end of Mass and at the end of his homily, had he said it in Fatima, it may have got much more visibility, but he, he he's trying to find a way not to offend Russia, but to push for peace and to try and find a way where he can get a dialogue going. He sent Cardinal Zupi, and he has sent him to, first of all, to Kiev, then to Moscow, then to Washington, D.C., and now he's waiting to go to Beijing. And he, he so Francis has, he's like a chess player in some ways, and he, he wants to see which moves I can do so that I can win the next one. Jerry, I think there's something else we need to add here, though. I, like, I, I absolutely agree with you that there, there's probably a read about this in terms of the politics between Russia and, you know, how that's associated with Fatima, etc. I also think, though, and we've seen this throughout World Youth Day, Pope Francis sought private moments, right? He sought moments that were, as he said, without publicity. And I think that's because he was trying to show young people, and he said this over and over, you know, this dictatorship of cliques and social media and the illusion of social media and that what you need to do is you need to build a relationship with Christ in prayer. And he's trying to say to them, don't do things for cliques, right? Let me not do things for publicity. Let me do things because I'm here, we're here to pray. We're here to remember your grandparents and the example that they gave you in the faith. He repeatedly spoke about the grandparents. He repeatedly spoke to them about thinking about their hopes and their fears. And, and, I, and, and I think that's what, at least for me, that's what I also took. Because he, the, one of the first things he mentioned when he got off, um, you know, in, on that first day in his official talks, he mentioned Ukraine. And he asked and prayed for peace in Ukraine. And he mentioned Ukraine on the last day. So Ukraine was at the top and the tail of World Youth Day. But he also didn't want simply to say, this is the only issue in the world we need to pray for. And we are surrounded here by youth from 80 different countries, more than 80 countries, uh, and five continents, where there are wars raging on every corner and in, in, in all sorts of parts under all sorts of circumstances. And so he was just, I, I think there's something there about him modeling what it is to be a faithful Christian, uh, calling for peace and prayer in, in the silence of your own room, right? You know, as the scriptures invite us to do, sort of don't look for theatrics, um, just pray honestly. He, he also, I think it was it on the second day, he met 15 young people who had come directly from Ukraine. There were 300 Ukrainians at the World Youth Day, but 15 had come actually out of the country direct to Fatima, and he met them, and they gave him a flag, and he spent a half an hour listening to them and, and uh, expressing his empathy. And then on Sunday, uh, Zelensky, in the interview with this Latin American journalist, he, he said— With your wife. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, she asked that question, but the, the, the reality was I was struck by Zelensky saying the Pope is helping us by praying. All right. That seems like a great place for us to leave this conversation. Obviously, as our listeners can tell, there is so much depth to this event and our coverage of it, the things that you both saw there. 
Uh, I will link to all of our coverage in the show notes for this story, as well as to Jerry's story about his wife's interview with uh, President Zelensky, because there's some really interesting stuff in there as well. We are going back onto our summer break. Uh, We'll be back in early September, around when the Pope is going to Mongolia. Uh, And so until then, Jerry, Ricardo, thank you so much for talking to me for your coverage the last week, and uh, I'll see you in September. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. Muito obrigado. I wish I knew how to say you're welcome in Portuguese, but I don't. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Ricardo da Silva. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Colleen Dully. That's C-O-L-L-E-E-N-D-U-L-L-E. You can follow Jerry at Jerry O. Rome. That's a G-E-R-R-Y-O-R-O-M-E. And Ricardo at Rick D-S-S-J. That's R-I-C-D-S-S-J. Please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America. Just click on the link in our show notes. It's easy to do, and it's the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. And if you have a little bit of time to spare, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell and Ricardo Da Silva, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you when we return from summer break in September.